Facebook or if you're in the know of Quartzsite, you might have heard last night there was a couple of teenage boys that got stranded in Tyson Wash. Um, so what had happened, from what I understand, um, these two boys, they were meeting up to go back to the, one of the other boys' house, and so they were walking in the wash, and the wash was, there wasn't a lot of water in it, and so they just were walking through it, and the, all of a sudden, the floodwaters come, and so they were able to get about three-quarters of the way into this tiny little patch of land, but they can't go any further. Um, because the waters are just starting to rush through. And so um, they were part of our church, um, to the boys. And so I get a call from one of their mothers and freaking out, as you should be, right? Because your kid might be swept away. And so I said, okay, I'll be there in a second. So we go down. Um, the fire department has been called. The police have been called. And so, you know, I have the best thing to do. I can watch, right? Um, and so, you know, I'm making fun of them doing you know being dumb um i'm like what are you guys doing you know um and so then i started talking to the firefighters because i know them and um one of them he's telling me i'm not going to give any names because i don't want i want them to get in trouble so i was talking to one of them and he's like yeah I, mean, I used to be dumb like this except we used to like take canoes and and phil knows this guy so because your name was dropped uh, <laughs> so yeah, so he's like, we would take canoes, we'd take mattresses, we, you know, all these different things, um, and so he, so he's telling me about this. Well, then another one walks up and he's like, oh yeah, and so he starts telling me about all the the dumb stuff he would do in the washes, you know, and so it's just really funny that they're telling me about this and they're we're looking at them, and they're like, so we can't really say that what they're doing is dumb because we did even worse things. And so, and then as they're talking, it reminded me just a, a little thing that I did as a kid. We had, um, where I grew up, we had this seasonal creek that would come in. And usually when it came in, it was probably about like um, calf level. Like that's usually what it was. There wasn't a lot of water because they siphoned most of it off to another river. And so, but this one year, it just was roaring. And, you know, I'm really smart. And so my thought was, I could get across this because the way I would come home from school is I would come home and I would cross the creek because it was the fastest way. I just walked through some houses and, you know, cross the creek. In order to go around the creek, I would have to go all the way back into town, which was a, a mile in, go over the bridge, walk through town, and walk two miles on the other side to get to my house. So I thought... It's not going to be that bad. And every step of the way, I'm like, I'm going to die. Because this water's just moving. It was about to my waist. And I'm, you know, at this time, I'm in fifth grade, a little scrawny kid. You know, I'm about the size of Izzy over here. And just, and I, and just, it's just pushing me, just pushing and pushing and pushing. And I get on the other side. It's the first time I remember praying. I go, thank God that I just got through that. Now, looking back, I go, that's probably the dumbest, one of the dumbest things I ever did as far as, you know, something that could kill me. And so as I, we're watching them, I'm like, thank, thank God that they had all, the, all these people right there. I mean, you could have got away with any crime last night because every single police officer was right there just watching it. 
you know, and I'm thinking, okay, all it needs is one of you. There are probably people doing bad things. Go find them. But then all of the, the one guy that did, I can't remember his name, but he, he went out there. He, I mean, he was ready to go. When I got there, he was already ready. And as soon as he got the green light, man, he walked out into that water and he went across there, gra- grabbed both of them and brought them back one at a time. But he did a great job. And so did all the other firefighters that were pulling the rope. And they were just, just a good, you, I have to say this. You live in a town where you have a really good police force that they're there, you know, and your firefighters are really good. So praise God for them. Okay, so, yeah. But talking about all that crazy stuff, you know, that's what we're talking about today is just being stupid. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, yeah, we're talking about being a teenager, right, Preston? Um, So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Judges chapter 14. And today we're going to cover Judges 14 through 16. The reason why is because, remember, our summer series is all about seeing the bigger picture, right? And so in order to see that, we have to cover two and a half chapters today. All right? So don't interrupt. Let's get this done. All right? Okay. So, see? Interruption. Stop it. All right. Because we also got communion, too, so that adds. All right? So... Judges, but let's talk about what we're going to do, what we've been doing, right? So we have three themes. Does everyone remember? Stop looking at the screen, all right? Um, First, it's God is faithful even when we're unfaithful, right? Even despite unfaithfulness. That's the first theme. That's when it's our choice to be faithful or not. Now, those things might influence us, but when it all comes down to it, it's do I follow or do I not? And so that's what we're talking about with Samson. And what we'll see with Samson, spoiler, is that he doesn't do good, right? So the way we're going to do this today is we're just going to hit big points in his life, okay? We're just going to cover a couple of verses. Usually we cover the whole passage, right? We read through the whole passage. It's two and a half verses. I can't speak that long in that kind of way, okay? So in order to do both, we're going to do that. So your homework is what? Read the whole thing, okay? You have to read the whole thing because it's really interesting about how everything works and it's good to hear the way it's supposed to be read, all right? So we're going to be in Judges chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to read the first four verses and then we'll start going through the rest of his life, all right? Are we ready? Too bad, we're going to do it anyways, all right? So Verse 1, Samson went down to Timnah, and and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. So let's stop right there. In these four verses, we have everything we need to know to understand Samson's life. Okay, just in those first four verses. And it starts out with his eyes. All right, his eyes are going to become very important in his life. Um, So much so that every time he sees something, he goes, I want that. Okay. So his eyes become very important. In fact, it becomes so important that we'll talk about more at the end and even more so next week. All right? But we just need to understand that his eyes are really important. So can we get to the next thing? 
So we're going to talk about these three things real fast that set the stage for his life, okay? So the first one is this. He has a seeing problem, all right? He sees something, he goes, I want it. And so in this case, and in all the cases that we'll see, it's all about the women. He sees a woman, he goes, I want that, okay? And in this society, you go to your parents, and then they negotiate for the wife, Okay? So he goes to them and says, I see this girl, I want this girl, get this girl for me. And his parents say, aren't there any other girls? Okay. He goes, no, I want this girl. She's hot and I want her. Okay. She, and, and the idea of she looks good in my eyes means I find her extremely attractive. Okay. So that's the first issue. And we're going to see this happen two more times after this, okay? So this is the first one. She's unnamed. We just call her the Philistine woman, all right? So seeing problem, that's the first thing we see. The second thing, um, oh, let me put that in there. And you'll see that every time he sees something, it comes from a, a selfishness of his, okay? It's the I want, okay? So the next thing we see is actually the response from his parents. Isn't there any other girl here and your relatives and your people that you can find attractive. And what, what's happening there is um, God had told the Israelites, don't marry outside of the people group, okay? And what this tells us is by Samson looking outside is it shows us that he has a disregard for God's commands, Right? He has a, this disregard that he's like, um, and we're going to see this later on, because at the end of his story, he actually says that he understands. By When we get to the Delilah stuff, he says, um, he tells her, the reason why my hair needs to be cut is because of the Nazarite vow. So he knows some things about God. Right. So when we go to the beginning of his story, and he's looking for a woman outside of his outside of Israel, we know that he's doing this in rebellion. All right? And this is why. In Deuteronomy 7, we get this verse, and this is what God tells the nation of Israel. He says, you shall not intermarry with them. And when he's talking about them, he's talking about the Canaanite people. All right? So the Hivites, the, um, the, um, the Ammonites, those, those people that we've talked about already. He says, you're not supposed to intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. And so what this is, is this idea of, look, Israel, you are not to intermarry. And there's purpose behind this. It's not just, hey, I don't want you marrying because, I don't know, they're a different culture than you or they're, um, they speak a different language. There's purpose of why. And so the very next verse, he gives the purpose of this. This is verse 4. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. That's the purpose. And so when Samson's looking at the, this woman, the purpose of why he's not supposed to is because God is concerned that the women will turn, will turn his children away. And so he says, just don't do it. In fact, Paul when Paul is writing um, in 2 Corinthians, he, he uses this same principle. He uses this same principle. He says, 
do not be unequally yoked. So this is 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do we have that? Yeah. Um, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And so what it's talking about there, in the context Paul's talking about, it's just, it's any, it's any relationship, like a business. If you're in a business with someone that does not hold your values, what's going to happen? There's going to be conflict there, right? So there's going to be conflict between, and it's the same thing in marriage. It's the same thing um, in relationships. You know, they talk about that we are the product of our five closest friends. You know, why? Because they influence us. So if we have friends that are not wanting to follow God, we're going to go down that path. It's the same thing in marriage. And so it's a very hard thing. And so before we get married or before we enter into relationships of any kind, we should ask the question, does this person hold my values? And so it's a big thing. And so what does Samson do? He goes after that girl because that's what he wants. And that, that idea where he says, it looks good in my eyes, very important. And we'll talk about more of that in two weeks. But it's very important because it's what he wants. It's his desire. And his desire trumps God's command. But the last thing we need to notice is this. That verse, verse 4 here. It says, His father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord. That God was allowing this to happen. Okay, then it says, For he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. This whole thing was predicated on the Philistines had taken over Israel, right? We talked about this last week. Philistines had taken over Israel. They had been under the boot of Israel for 40 years, and God was saying, it's time for this to end. And so now God is looking for a way to end it. And he's using Samson's selfishness to end it. And so this is a big thing. It's one of the things we've been talking about through this whole thing, if we could put that up there. This idea that God's, God works even through our self-centeredness. That sometimes we can do things and we're like, oh, I'm being blessed by God. And then all of a sudden the, the, the things turn. And we're like, God, what happened? Well, sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes it's because we were actually doing dumb stuff. And we were only prospering for a little while. But God was bringing it back to us and saying, but it's not okay for you to continue doing that. And that's what we see with Samson. And Samson seems to prosper for a little while. In fact, he's going to do some crazy things. But at the end, God says, okay, now I've got to discipline you. And there's a disciplining moment in Samson's life that for him comes out of left field. For him, it's like, why would God do this? But as we're reading and we're following along his story, it goes, it makes perfect sense why God does it. But he is so self-focused, makes no sense for him until he wakes up. And we don't even get to see that wake up until next week, okay? So we're just covering the, the issues here. But this is really important, that God works even through self. He works for the good even in self-centered um, stuff. Um, and so we've actually talked about this before, right? This is Romans 8.28. It says, and we know, and we've been hammering this verse again and again through this series because 
no matter what's going on, God will do his purposes, and his purposes are for good. And so he says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is what he's doing in Samson's life. Good's going to come out of this, even though Samson is kind of just doing his own thing, even in response to God. And so God's still going to do good. He's still going to do Why? Because he has purposes. But just because he does good through us doesn't necessarily mean that we are doing good. All right? So those three things tell us everything we need to know from here on out. Because you're going to see those things again and again. The eyes wanting what they want, right? The selfishness. And we're going to see that Samson has a disregard for God's commands. And then we're going to see that God still works out good. All right? So let's start. We're just going to kind of move pretty quickly now. All right? So these are the crazy events. And I would say this is, they're the best fun of the Bible as far as like just crazy stuff. Because the way I, like reading through Samson's life, he's a kid. All right? Like if you give kids a lot of um, like, like sugar and let them go nuts, right? They'll do some crazy stuff. And that's how I picture Samson. Like God gave him strength and he goes nuts with it and does crazy stuff. So it starts off, let's go to verse 14 um, of chapter 14. And he, so he gets, the parents get the wife, they set up everything, they, and they go, and at the feast that lasts a week, he gives a riddle to the men that have shown up, the Philistine men that shows up. And he says, I'll wager you guys something. I'll wager you guys 30 suits of clothes, 30 outfits, that you can't figure out this riddle. Okay, so he gives them this riddle. This is verse 14. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. So he gives them this riddle. Now the riddle's from his own life. If you read a little before this, it's from his own life. What happened was, when he was on his way to see the girl, right, his wife, he encountered a lion. And the lion attacked, and so he killed the lion. When he came back to the lion's carcass a while later, there was honey. Some bees came over, and they made a little nest, and now there's honey. And so out of the eater, the lion, came something sweet. That's the riddle. Now, how could you figure that out? You couldn't. And that's the issue. They were having such a hard time trying to figure it out. What they decided to do was, let's go to the wife. He'll tell her. And so they go to their, their relative. Really, it's their relative, right? They go to her and they say, find out for us. And she goes, sure. So she goes and says, Samson, come on, you got to tell, tell me. I'm your wife, right? Uses her wifely ways yeah her charm you know that honeymoon wife and he goes okay i killed this lion i found honey in it and so what she does she turns around and tells the guys and so they come back and tell him and he knows that there's no way to figure they could have figured this out he knows that it was only through the wife and so he gets angry because now he has to come up with 30 outfits for these guys and so you know what he does the thing we would all do goes to another city that's at war and kills 30 men. Makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, makes perfect sense. 
Why, why go work and earn it when you can just go and kill people and take it? Right? Yeah, it's nuts, right? It's one of those things that it's like, this is just nuts for him to do. Now, the Philistines, the place he went was at war with the Israelites. So there was a war going on. So he kind of just walks in there into the battlefield and says, I'll just kill these people, take their stuff. And so he comes back and with the, the stuff, right? And now we jump over to chapter 15. The end of chapter 14, we find out that as he comes back, the dad of his wife says, I thought you were going to be gone. I thought you gave her up. So I married her off to your, your best man. Makes perfect sense. Right? Like that makes perfect sense. Um, and so now, here's this guy, Samson. He's already like mad, right? And so what does he do? Okay, this is the fun part. I lo- this is my, one of my favorite parts of Judges. Verse 3, we find out how he reacts to finding out that his wife was just married off, okay? Verse 3 of chapter 15, it says this, And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent regarded to the Philistines. I, I love that because he actually recognizes that what he just did was not okay. The killing of the 30 guys. But he says, This time I'm innocent, right? Um, in regard to the Philistines, when I do them harm. So Samson went, I love this, and caught 300 foxes and took torches, and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain as well as the olive orchards. Man, so basically what he did, he just, first off, who thinks of, let me take some foxes. <laughs> like, I would never have thought of that. Like, I've done some dumb stuff. But I've never taken an animal and put a lit anything on them. Now, you know what we call that today, right? Psychopaths. <laughs> right? They say if you harm animals, that you have psychopathic in- tendencies. Okay? So... Right? So he does this and then he destroys their food supply. Right? Yeah. And of course they just go, oh, hey, we hurt you, you hurt us, let's move on. No, that's not what happens. What happens next is they go after him. Right? They go after him and they get 3,000 of his fellow Israelites to go and capture him. So these 3,000 men come to Samson, and he said, look, this is what's going on. We need to take you in. And he says, okay, hypothetical. If I were to break loose and attack those Philistines, would you guys do anything about it? And they said, no. So he says, okay, bind me. So they bind him, and he goes, and that's where we get in chapter 15, verse 14. They take him up to this town called Lehi, Lehi, And this is what it says. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. They're excited, right? Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and he put out his hand and took it, and with it he struck a thousand men. 
like just crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, think about that. Just, and I mean, you put this into perspective. Like, how big is a donkey's jawbone? Not that big, right? And, and this, is a pers- this is personal stuff, right? Personal combat. And he's just going through and just killing people, right? And it's just one of those things that's like, this is just crazy stuff that's going on in Samson's life. And he's just like a bull. Like, he just goes in the Chinese shop, right? He's just destroying things. And it kind of like, that's, that, that's one story of his, right? And it has to all do with, hey, mom and dad, I like that girl. Like, that's where it started, and it ended with thousands of people dead. God used it as judgment on the Philistines, but it all stems from Samson being kind of this just haphazard, self-centered type of person. And then, what's interesting is at the end of that, we can see the selfishness happen again. Okay? So yeah, so there's all this. Did you guys get all that? There's just a ton of stuff there. Alright? So, but there's one thing that we've got to notice at the end of verse 15, or chapter 15. It's verse 18. Okay? So in verse 18, I don't think it's going to be up there. Um, but in verse 18, this is what it says. And he was thirsty. So after all that, he kills a thousand men. It says, and he was thirsty and he called upon the Lord and said, you have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant and shall, and shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? He's basically saying, look, I just went and killed a bunch of people and I'm really, really thirsty. Are you going to let me just die here, God? That's what he's saying. And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi and water came out from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he, and he was revived. Okay? So, you see kind of this, this like, hey, God, where are you, what, what you going to do for me now? Type of thing. You know, I need some water. I, and it's like, miraculous, God. Bring me some miraculous water. And so you just keep seeing this kind of selfishness, right? And yet God still is what? Faithful. Like, he's still faithful, even though this guy's being really selfish. And now, we get to another woman. This time, this woman is, is a prostitute. And it comes at the very beginning of, his, of chapter 16. He goes to this woman. Um, again, it's a, it's a Philistine woman. It's in Gaza. And he goes to her. And it just says he sleeps with her, and then the Philistine men came to the town to get Samson. And so they figure, okay, we'll get him in the morning when he comes out of the the city gate. But what actually ends up happening is Samson goes to that gate, breaks it down, and carries it 40 miles away. Typical Samson, right? I mean, just crazy stuff this guy's doing. So it's not like, it's like, I think that's kind of tame for Samson, just to break the thing. Why didn't he just take and start smashing heads, right? No, he's, he's, he's getting old, he's getting more seasoned. I'm just going to break it down and just carry it for 40 miles. Whatever. Um, but so, but he saw the prostitute, said, that's what I want, that's what I'm going to do. And it's just this little tiny snippet, because then we get into the, the big story, the one everyone knows about Samson. 
Samson and Delilah, right? And it, it's very, very similar to the wife, the Philistine wife's story. In that, instead of a, the riddle that he gives, it's the riddle of who he is. It's the riddle of, why are you so strong, Samson? And so, but just like the, the Philistine men came to the betrothed wife, Philistine men come to Delilah. But it's really interesting, something that's interesting about Delilah. She comes from this, this valley. She lives in this valley that translates to best of the vine or the choice of the vine. Now, if you remember last week that we talked about the Nazarite vow, you guys remember one of the things that he was not supposed to do? No alcohol. He was supposed to take nothing from the vine. So there's some poetic here that here's this woman he's not supposed to have who comes from the vine and so the story goes right we we get into this she asks him three times and ends up being four but she asks him um, how do why are you so strong how would you stop that first time he says it's bowstrings you just gotta wrap me up in bowstrings and it'd be fine and so what does she do Wraps him up in bowstrings. And then she says, Samson, the Philistines are on you. And he goes, so breaks the, the bowstrings. Now, one time it'd be like, oh, I was just kidding around, right? She tells, you lied to me. And so he says, well, what you need to do is new ropes. New ropes, that's what you need. And so she does that. And again, the Philistines are upon you. He breaks the ropes. Okay, once... You know, the, the saying, fool me once, right? Right? Okay, so we're out the, the second time. And she goes, oh, you just keep lying to me. And he goes, okay, what you need to do is you need to take my long hair and you need to um, braid it in, in seven braids and then you need to take a, the loom and you need to wrap my hair with fabric from the loom. So what she do? She does that. And she attaches him to the loom. And again, she goes, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he gets up, he breaks it. Well, now she's really upset. And Samson is really upset. Not because she keeps doing it, but because she keeps hounding him. And so she goes, you, basically, you say you love me, but you know what? You've lied to me. And so he finally says, okay. What it is, is it's because from birth I've been under God and under this Nazarite vow. And so my head's never been shaved. That's the, that's the key. Going back to he recognizes what God has commanded and yet still does the opposite type stuff. So what she do, she, he goes to sleep and she brings someone in. He shaves Samson's head. And it's interesting, there's this little point where it says, and she torments him. He's still asleep. It says she torments him. Basically saying that she's like, um, well, she's talking at him, just like, oh, you're going to die type stuff, you know, and just like, and so, and then we get to verse 20. And it says this, and she said, again, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as the other times and shake myself free. Right? So he's like, even though 
I've told this lady the, the, the key, the answer to the riddle. Nothing's going to happen. Like there's a disconnect here. And it says, but, this is the big thing, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Like think about that. Just, just let that sink in for a second. That he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. Why? Well, it's selfishness. Oh, God wouldn't leave me even though I, I let this out. God wouldn't leave me just because he said not to take anything from the vine, but I'm in this woman's house. God wouldn't take anything from me because, look, I'm the judge. I was the one that was prophesied about, right? That the angel of the Lord came and the angel of the Lord opened up my mother's womb. God would never leave me. So I can continue to do evil things and God won't do anything about it. Except the reality is God will. Because this is a big thing. In the book of Hebrews it talks about how God chastens or God disciplines his children. Samson's his child. But Samson keeps doing the bad things and God's like fine. You want to continue down this bad path. That's your choice. And so God leaves him, but he's so self-focused, he doesn't realize it. And then verse 21 happens. And the Philistine seized him and gouged out his eyes. There's those, that seeing problem has just gone away. That's some gruesome stuff. You know, so there's this movie um, called... It's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I don't know if you saw it. It's early 90s. It's with Kevin Costner. I loved that movie growing up. I would just watch that movie because I loved Robin Hood. It was my, probably my hero. Okay, next to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and um, was Batman. Um, but I would just watch this movie again and again. And it didn't bother me that Kevin Costner, everyone else had like accents and Kevin Costner was very American. Um, but I would just watch this over and over. But there's this scene that always like, like stuck with me. It's when um, Robin Hood returns home and the, the house is just destroyed. The castle's just burnt out and everything. And he sees his father who has been burned alive in a cage hanging in the castle. And he's going through and he hears something and he turns around and it's the the servant, his family's servant. And he's so broken with remorse, and, you know, of, of, of pain and hurt from his father. He goes, why didn't you stop them? And he's just like hurting the guy. And then the camera just turns on his face and he says, I would have, but they took my eyes. And they had gouged out his eyes. And that always sat with me. And so when I, li- I hear this about Samson, his eyes being gouged out like that's the image in my mind just hollowed and just bloodied and that's where it kind of ends and it ends with and brought him down to Gaza back to where that that prostitute was and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison so now his eyes have been taken from him. 
Remember those foxes that burned through all that thing? That's the mill. They're, they're getting back. They're getting their revenge on this guy. And so we're going to leave it there. And we'll talk about the rest next week. And so, but, so what we need to talk about is what does God want us to take away from this, right? What does God want us to take away? And I think the main thing is this idea that, look, we can have good things in our life happen. Good things can happen all the time. We can be like, oh man, my, I'm getting good money, my house is good, you know, this is good, uh, everything's going good. And then all of a sudden it just starts crumbling and we go, why is it crumbling? Well, the reality is, is sometimes we seek our own kingdoms and we forget God provided all of that for us. Because God's the one that provided Samson with the strength. It wasn't the vow. It was God. And he took advantage of that. And for a while, he had a lot of victories. A lot of victories. But there gets to a point where God says, okay, if you want to continue down this path, then you, you go your way. Not that God isn't faithful, because as soon as that person turns, God is faithful. This is the whole idea of the what we call the prodigal son uh, parable. As soon as that son turned, he was embraced. Like, that's the idea. But God allows us to go our own way. Why? Because he needs to teach us a lesson. And the lesson is, when I bring back my hand, when God takes his hand off of it, that blessing, things just fall to pieces. And it's like, until you experience that, you just think, oh, I'm just going to keep going the way I'm going because I get all the good stuff. It's really interesting to watch and listen to stories of like um, old rockers, right? Like old um, musicians. And they talk about all the, the fame and the fortune. They go, I really don't, it really didn't fulfill me. And it's like, why? Because that stuff isn't what fulfills humanity. What, fi- what fulfills the human is a relationship with Jesus. Like, that's, that's what fulfills us. And so all these other things that we go after, whether it be relationships, money, real estate, any of those things, those things are temporary fixes for a deep, deep hurt. And until we get to that point where God says, okay, you go and experience it, we're going to think, I'm all right with God. And God's like, you're not. And so this is what Jesus says about that he says in matthew 16 25 he says for whoever would save his life will lose it that will lose it isn't a you might it's there will be a definite point where you will lose your life this but whoever loses his life for my sake meaning whoever lays down their life and says god i want your will in my life i want your kingdom in my life i want that Jesus says, for my sake, we'll find it. You know, there are stories. Um, one, one of my favorite ones um, is, um, oh, now I just lost his name. We used to play his namesake um, at baseball. Now I just forgot. Um, but he, yeah, that's good. Um, but he goes down to South Africa South Africa, South America, 
and he he's a missionary down there some of his buddies they want to reach this unreached group and so they go and they go to reach him he lost his life him and his buddies they all lost their lives because they wanted to reach these people for Jesus they wanted Jesus kingdoms and they lost their lives but you know what they gained more because what ends up happening is the 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 family the the women the wives of those men go and they say you need to know about Jesus and the response from that from that group was why are you here we killed your husbands and they said because you need to know Jesus more than our lives and what's crazy is when I heard this story it was like a little documentary and the son of the main guy does anyone know that Jim Elliot thank you um, the son of Jim Elliot the guy that killed his one of the people I don't know if it was his dad but that guy became a father to this boy and now this boy's growing up there now that tribe is now reaching even further in to other tribes so Jim Elliot, did he lose his life? He lost this life, but he gained brothers and sisters. There's so much more. And this is the, this is the thing, is what, what is our life? Is it the glitz and the glamour, or is it the kingdom of God? And so, earlier in Matthew, Matthew seven thirteen, Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter, it, bu- enter by it are many. There's a lot of people that will go after the glitz and glamour. And God calls us to the narrow way. Which means I would I'd rather have temporary hardships and eternal treasures than to have temporary treasures and eternal hardship. And so... What do we see in Samson's life? We see a guy that wanted the temporary instead of the eternal. And so God, that God's calling us to the eternal, to look to that, to be faithful into what he has called us to, not to toil away at this life. Because all this stuff, what's going to happen to it? It's burned. It's going to be gone. It's not going to be anything long term. Even if we have the mindset of that's all there is, like this world, it's all there is. How's the Roman Empire doing right now? How's the Ottoman Empire doing right now? How's Alexander's Empire? How's the dynasties of China? They're long gone. The only kingdom that is going to be forever is Christ's. And we can either say, I want it, or we say, I don't. But God will be faithful, and God will be there if we ever want to turn. So I want to encourage you. My challenge for you this week is just to take Samson's life. Take those two, uh, two and a half chapters. Read chapter 13. Don't go too far ahead because you don't want to spoil it. Um, but read through it and just say, and just contemplate his life. And go before the Lord and say, Lord, am I going after anything like Samson? Like, if, am I using my eyes and saying, man, I would really like that new car. 
Because I do that. Like, especially, I have this in, in my truck, I have this little console, and every time I lift up the seat, the glue has separated, and when I put the seat down, I don't always remember to put the little padding back. And so I'll, like, just lean on it, because that's how I drive. I just lean on it, and the little spikes go into my arm, and I go, man, I'd really like to get rid of this thing and get a new truck. You know, but this is what God has given me, and so until he gives me, if anyone has a truck that they want to give me, that's better than that. Um, you'll be more, you know, do the work of the Lord, okay? That's all I say. Um, but it's this, you know, am I going after the things of this world because that's what my eyes want? Or am I going after the things of God because that's what he wants? All right? So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you that um, we can come before you and we can open up your word. We can have some fun and we can enjoy each other. Um, Lord, I ask that you bless your people. That you show them your love, show them your patience, show them your kindness this week. Um, wherever they find themselves. Lord, protect them. I know um, we're traveling, people are traveling, and uh, people are coming into the court site, people are going. Lord, protect them. Um, lavish your love on us, Lord. I pray for those that don't know you that you would lavish your love on them. That in hard things like what's going on, what happened with those, those teenagers. Lord, I, I just thank you for um, the people that you put into our lives, like the firefighters and the police, people that have put their lives online. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. If they don't know you, Lord, that they would come to know that that is the, the place from which they, that desire to, to serve comes from. It comes from you. Um, and Lord, keep our eyes on you. Don't let our eyes like Samson's go off on things. And when they do, bring us back. And so Lord, I just thank you. Ask for your blessing upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>